You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It's time for the Dragon Con Report, a podcast dedicated to help newcomers and veterans prepare for the upcoming annual convention in downtown Atlanta. With interviews, advice, and news from the pros and fans alike, be careful, you never know, you might actually learn something. Howdy everyone and welcome to the third episode of the 2018 Dragon Con Con Report. Just about six months left until Dragon Con. I'm your host Mike Gordon and I'm pleased to introduce you to the rest of our station crew, those that managed to show up this month. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have uh, Darren and Mary, but uh, we uh, they are off, uh, we'll say costuming, sure, they're getting their costumes together, we'll, we'll, we'll say that. Um, but... Um, we do have some of the original crew with us. Uh, director, of course, Mike Faber is here. You know, when Darren and Mary go off to do something, I kind of worry about that. Well, you know, she is celebrating an achievement uh, in her in her age. Let's put it that way. So she did just uh, like we'll say that she just um, went over a certain went over the Mendoza line. We'll say that she jumped a hump. There we go. She jumped the hump. So, uh, yeah. So, um, and it's hump day. Oh, oh. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. Guess what day it is? <laughs> well, as you, as you can tell, we also have Nakoma Sanchez with us. Hey, guys. Howdy. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Pleased to have you with us. And we've got someone new to the show, but he's certainly not new to Dragon Con. Many people will know him instantly from the many panels he uh, he participates in. Michael Faulkner is with us. Hey, hello. And, you know, I prefer to, to uh, refer to those events as uh, leveling up in life. Leveling up? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yes. <laughs> You're gaining XP. That's yes. right. Well, I didn't want it to make it sound like Mary and Darren have left us in the dust, which maybe they have. So um, we'll just uh, carry on, I guess. But uh, welcome, Michael. For those people who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with Dragon Con. Oh, uh, let's see. This will be my uh, ninth year with Dragon Con. Am I uh, second or third as a as an attending professional? Uh, mostly, I do some work with the uh, the American Sci-Fi Classics track and the American Sci-Fi Fantasy Media tracks. Uh, I was on the uh, the Brit track last year with the Earth Station Who podcast, where we discussed uh, Cybermen. So that's Absolutely. where some of the listeners might know me from. Um, they also might know me from my work with the uh, the Timestamps Project. I'm watching Doctor Who from the, the very beginning of the franchise and working my way forward. Uh, in fact, today I just published the uh, the summary of the sixth Doctor's Adventures and the summary of the Trial of a Time Lord. Uh, so I'm about ready to move into the seventh Doctor's run. And I then, bet uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> the stories I could tell you. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and then also, uh, I'm a podcaster and a writer from here in the Atlanta area. So my writing is mostly on uh, Creative Criticality, which is the blog where the Times House Project is housed. And I'm a podcaster with the Chronic Rift Network. I do a show called the Weekly Podioplex, which is all about movies. So, yeah, that's me in kind of a nutshell. So it's amazing how much stuff we have to do during the rest of the year in order for us to sort of just compensate for not being a Dragon Con. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are badge hunters we, we have to keep so busy because uh lord knows a dragon con it just fills a hole right yeah 
Right. Um, we also have with us, with us, of course, segments with Michelle Biddick-Simmons, Eternal Zan, and Kevin Batchelder. Um, and we're also going to have a special segment in a little bit with Alan. He's the founder of the giant superhero photo shoots at Dragon Con. He's going to give us the status of the big group shoots this year. So we're happy to have him with us. Um, this Dragon Con Con Report is sponsored in part by Borderland Comics and Games in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. For more information on the store, check out Borderland, borderlands.us. We're going to have a link to that on our show notes so you can easily find it. Um, it's, a, it's a great store, great location. Uh, they just came off uh, hosting a great event, the South Carolina Comic Con, SC Comic Con in Greenville, which we... Uh, of course, promoted for the first two episodes of this show, and uh, it was a fantastic event. Mike was there. Uh, I unfortunately was not able to be there this year, but uh, from all accounts, Mike, it was outstanding sh- an event. It was one of the best cons I've been to all year. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's uh, and and you know what? Actually, we've been to a few already, so that's not that's not speaking you know ill at all. So no, uh, it's one of my favorite shows yearly, and it just it did so much for us for the people there. Robert and his crew just put on a great show, and so looking already forward to next year's. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we are a proud member of the ESO Network. Be sure to check out the Amazon link at the top of esonetwork.com website. It doesn't cost you any more to purchase your stuff, and it helps us out a lot. We also have a T Public store filled with all kinds of cool designs, and there's a link for that at the top of the page. And there's also a link to our Patreon page. Mike, you want to tell us a little bit about what's there? Oh, on our Patreon page we have some really fun stuff as of last night as of this recording of course we just posted the brand new short featuring andy kaufman's author um who talked to the fine folks at the pro wrestling roundtable uh we also have episodes of the Flopcast up there of earth station one of transmissions from atlantis from pcc and, and we this do is, have um, we do have a piece of Dragon Con programming already posted for our Patreon. Oh, of course, the uh, Princess Bride panel from last year through the Sci Fi Classics track is now up there, and you cannot hear it anywhere else unless you're a at least a five dollar subscriber to our Patreon. And you know you could start at a dollar, you can go up to five, or go up to ten, whatever you feel like giving us. We do appreciate it, and it helps support a very good cause, which is the ESO Network. And yeah. you get a ton of stuff. You'll even get stuff that we recorded this past weekend at South Carolina Comic Con, featuring voice actors who do Optimus Prime, the Black Panther, or the actress who played Poison Ivy in Gotham. Pretty cool stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, a lot of the shows on the network have contributed, and there will be a lot more Dragon Con programming from 2017 that we are going to release through that as well. So if you want to carry over, as we were saying, if you want to carry over um, Dragon Con for the whole year round, we can help you do that with uh, the ESO network. So um, if you would like to leave feedback or comment on the show, please call our ESO feedback line at 404 963 9057. Um, or feel free to send us an email at dragonconreport at esonetwork.com. So now we're going to get started with a bit of news. Um, there's a little bit of tidbits of as far as um, uh, things that have been released. Um, DragonCon has announced the official charity 
this year, and it is Literacy Action. Uh, they will be uh, partnering with Literacy Action as the 2018 official charity. Uh, DragonCon will once again match dollar for dollar up to $100,000, any, any money raised for this charity at the 2018 convention. And I do have it on some authority that last year's charity did reach 100000 and they matched it 100%. So, um, so Literacy Action has a, a good chance of getting, uh, you know, close to two hundred grand uh based on uh what happened last year and you know the people at dragon con love to give all the tracks have uh have bowls and buckets and and places and, and auctions and contests where you can uh help contribute uh and literacy action is just a great cause um, it is a um, driver of free adult learning services providing various levels of educational instruction to advance adults towards employment citizenship better wages and post-secondary education. It was founded in 1968, so it's as old as I am, and uh, it is now one of the largest nonprofit providers of free basic adult education in Georgia. And uh, it's a great cause. So um, once again, uh, kudos to DragonCon for picking a great cause that we can all contribute to. I do think, I, I just wanted to contribute on that. I think that's actually one of the best charities that I've seen them pick in a long time. It's something that doesn't get a lot of light is uh, is the fact that we do have such a large population of adults that are just not literate or who need help when it comes to their education to further themselves. I didn't realize it was a problem until I actually recently, within the last year, uh, met somebody who literally could not read. And it was astonishing to me because it's just not something who it's not something that you see on a regular basis. So a lot of people just kind of let it fall by the wayside. So I'm actually really excited about that. Yeah, very nice. Very good point. Very good point. And um, it does, it does say ahead. a lot about the DragonCon family as well. I mean, last year, we, uh, the uh, the DragonCon attendees were kind of limited because Hurricane Harvey rolled through and they still reached that milestone that you talked about. Yes. And, and so it's it's really a testament to the community that we have at this convention that that we are able to donate so much of not only our time and energy at the con convention itself, but also our money to those in need. Oh yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's a great way to, that Dragon Con gives back to the same community that it hosts it. Right. I mean, this is a local charity. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of great national char charities out there as well, but this is a local charity. And so it's going right back into, into the uh, community here. So that's really nice. Um, Okay, so um, just another couple of other items here. Um, the Pocket Program is actually kind of getting rebooted. Um, it's going to go away as the way you see it now, the way you're familiar with it. It's uh, going to turn into a, I believe they're calling it a quick start guide, and it is a large print magazine format. Uh, so no, no tiny unreadable maps uh, anymore, no more tiny font reading of the grid schedules. Um, of course, it's still on, on schedule to be published at the very last minute, but it's going to be a much bigger, larger print magazine format instead of the uh, floppy pocket program that we're all used to. So, so look for that change. I believe it's going to be in color as well. So look for that change. Uh, also, a couple things that will not change is that the, uh, it's been established that the one-day memberships will once again be on sale outside the Marriott after the parade cash and credit card ready. Um, this was, uh, I guess, the powers of B felt that this was very successful last year. 
So people coming right off the parade wanting to go in and enjoy the convention, they can be able to do so. So right outside the Marriott, they can just get their membership for one day that Saturday and boom, they're in. I think it's a great idea, truthfully. You know, it's like get them all excited by going to the parade and everything. And hey, here's tickets. Come on in, you know, see more. It's a great selling point, truthfully. I know a lot of people are against it, but personally, I think it's a great deal. Yeah, they're also uh, going to have Thursday only badge, uh, uh, Thursday only passes for sale as well. So uh, all of this, you know, talk about oh, they're going to restrict the number of people that are, are going to they're going to let in. Um, Saturday is one of their biggest days, and if they were going to restrict that in any way, they wouldn't be selling these one day memberships outside. So, so I I think you know the the more the merrier. DragonCon still wants to pull in as many people as possible. So. So be prepared for even more people on Saturday. Um, also, uh, DCTV is going to be uh, active for non, um, non-on-site members as well. So they're going to continue that trend. They, apparently that went uh, really well. And at the volunteer meeting that they had uh, just recently, a couple weeks ago, there's a ton of uh, volunteers needed. From the con suite to the art show to uh, videography to registration to tech ops to security to almost all of the panels, all of the tracks are are still looking for people as well. So if you want to get involved with Dragon Con, reach out. Reach out to Dragon Con itself. You can. There's a place where you can go and, and sign up to volunteer. You can actually reach out to the individual tracks if you're interested in in any of the tracks and participating and as a volunteer, they uh, definitely need, need folks. So, um, so that does continue. I'm not sure when the next volunteer meeting is, but uh, uh, I'll try to get that for you uh, as on the next, on the next one. I don't think it's next month, but uh, in any case, um, yeah, they're still looking for people. So. And the, uh, the numbers on that are still the same, right? It's 24 hours worth of work during the weekend and you get uh, a $20 badge for the first year and then it's free thereafter as long as you contribute i believe so okay. i believe so cool uh, so it's a, it's an easy way to get into the con and also give back to it in the same same breath so yes absolutely absolutely um and it's a way for you if you're if you're one of those people who's who likes to participate but also wants to have more of a connection with people at the convention you know you make friends easily a way to do that really is to to volunteer because it almost kind of forces you to socialize in some ways, you know? <laughs> so um, the, the only other thing I thought I've noticed uh, that was that happened at the meeting last week with the directors and everything is that president, um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, I think, on our, our show, so I wanted to bring it up. But uh, DragonCon president Pat Hendry made it very clear that uh, directors all across the board and all the tracks and all the areas are expected to shut down any instances that they see of sexual harassment. Uh, any volunteers that exhibit such behavior will be immediately removed. Any attendees that ex- experience, exhibit that such behavior will be removed. There's a, there's a no-tolerance policy on sexual harassment uh, going forward. So he made that very, very clear to, uh, to everybody at the meeting. So, so I thought that was kind of a, a good thing to say as well. So... Um, 
so that was all the the sort of little tidbits. There is a a, a, a something that's happening that uh, over the last couple of years, it's not really was wasn't part of the official uh, Dragon Con programming, but it was something that over the last few years has become really a big deal at Dragon Con, and that's the huge superhero photo shoots. And we understand that uh, that this year the giant superhero photo shoots of that DC and Marvel. Uh, have uh, that take place on the Hyatt steps are going to be canceled. So um, we've actually got with us Alan, who is the founder of the giant Ho- superhero photo shoots at Dragon Con. He's gonna, he's here to tell us a little bit more information about what happened and and what's going on with that. And now we have with us Alan uh, joining us. He is the owner of the Superhero Costuming Forum, as well as one of the founders of the giant superhero photo shoots at Dragon Con. And he's got some some news for us. Alan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Welcome to the station. I, I, I think it's it's not great news that brings you to the station. Is that correct? Unfortunately not. Um, I wish it were. Yeah, tell us a little bit about um, what's been going on with the giant superhero photo shoots over the years. Well, back in 2008, I attended the Marvel versus DC photo shoot uh, back in the day when we thought that superhero photo shoots were enormous and we had, you know, 50 to 75 people. And the very next year in 2009, I began directing the separate Marvel and DC Universe photo shoots and grew those over almost a 10-year period up to hundreds of costumers. We originally started over at the SunTrust, and the shoots became so enormous that we actually were one of the very first groups to really utilize the Hilton steps and help popularize their use. And over the years, it became 100 costumers, 200, 300, to whereas now for, let's say, the Marvel Universe photo shoot that happens typically every year on a Sunday, those shoots have grown to six, seven hundred, eight hundred costumers with anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred people out on the Hilton steps, either in costume or taking photos or just gawking um, on any given day over the weekend. That's Unfortunately, amazing. yeah, they're they are if you've never been to one, it the atmosphere is electric. And um, there's nothing else like it at Dragon Con. It is a sight to behold. Or should I say it was uh, a sight to behold? Because unfortunately for 2018, my teams and I have had to cancel the photo shoots um, for a variety of reasons, which um, I can get into. But I'll stop there just to see if you have any questions specifically. Well, right. Um, I have had the privilege of actually attending a couple of those, not uh, in costume myself. I'm a gawker. but. Um... Uh, it's it's really a surreal experience walking around with uh, literally like you know like you said hundreds of people in costume. You feel like you feel like you've just uh, walked into the pages of a comic book. It's amazing, uh, especially with regards to the you know for a DC and Marvel guy like myself um, it, to see you know the community that's gathered of all these people in costumes. Um, and this is this is a highlight for them. Yeah, I mean, it's been the highlight of my weekend for many years. I can't tell you how many attendees have told me that they started coming to Dragon Con because of the photos of the giant superhero photo shoots. I can't tell you how many people have told me that the giant photo shoots were the highlight of their entire weekend. And we've had some magical occurrences of those shoots over the years. 
I personally helped facilitate three different wedding proposals. Um, we've had major celebrities there like James Gunn and Stan Lee. We had Dean Cain come out one year. Um, we've had, and, and it's not uncommon to see, yeah, it's not uncommon to see George Perez and the DC one at all. Yeah. You know, when I was a little kid reading crisis on infinite Earth, I never thought <laughs> that George Perez would be a personal friend of mine. Um, <laughs> But that's, you know, one of the magical things that happens at Dragon Gun. Uh, great, great times. Uh, and yeah, like I said, I've seen, yeah, I've seen, it's one of those staples now when you just see these pictures of these, these huge areas, these huge uh, photo shoots on these stairs, they've become really, um, you know, kind of famous in and of themselves as almost as famous as the the carpet, right? Yeah, I mean, without, um, I think, too much hyperbole, I think the photos of our giant photo shoots for all the superheroes have kind of become the face of the convention. They are instantly recognizable as Dragon Con, um, not only, you know, for people here, but across the world, I think. Um, they really have helped popularize, popularize I can't say the word tonight, um, the convention. Um, and it's been exciting to be a part of those things. It's been exciting to see them grow. Um, they have been sort of my baby, so to speak, um, over the years. Uh, and if you've ever been to one of those things, I guess to all the people who are listening, um, I've probably yelled at you at some point through a megaphone. So uh, <laughs> my apologies for that. Um, but uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, for us and for our attendees and for the guests who've come as well. Uh, for instance, when James Gunn came, I think he uh, posted three times on his social media uh, photos and videos of his appearance and uh, articles were written about that, which quite literally went uh, all across the world. Yeah, and I can only imagine that the participation even exploded even more after that, once uh, people recognized that the, they had got that kind of attention. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where with Marvel photo shoot, we had to stop kind of advertising the shoot because um, we've <laughs> already kind of reached a capacity. Um, I used to blast the internet like, hey, come out to the to shoots. But um, there's so many people out there now that um, we really didn't need to anymore. And everybody just kind of knows, hey, Saturday at this time and Sunday at this time, we're going to have these shoots. And uh, we heard that the Dragon Con information booth, you know, secondhand, uh, their number one question they receive uh, typically is when and where are the giant superhero photo shoots? Because it's a major draw and a major attraction for the convention. And and to be to be you know these weren't were they weren't really official because they weren't on the schedule or anything like that. Correct? These were just things that you guys were were organizing around the convention. Correct? Yeah, fan run, and I've always taken it as a compliment that people would think. These were run by DragonCon, and I'll take that as a compliment because I will assume that means they, they are so professionally well-run and organized. After doing them for so many years, um, we really were able to fine-tune them and understand the process and the flow and what worked best out there. Um, but it's not just the superhero costuming forum that organizes the giant superhero photo shoots on the Hilton Steps. Last year, there were over 110 different photo shoots that were organized on the Dragon Con photo shoots Facebook page, the vast, vast majority of those 90% plus, I would say, out of the Hilton Steps. So um, whenever you're at Dragon Con, you can almost always invariably find some photo shoot of some form going on at the Hilton Steps. 
And and it's that area in particular, uh, the Hilton Steps, using those as for photo shoots. That's what's uh, not going to happen in 2018. Is that correct? Well, other um, smaller photo shoots um, certainly will continue to use the steps um, in really an abbreviated fashion. Unfortunately, last year on the Mount Dragon Con, uh, because of changes to the Hilton layout and ballroom changes started snaking panel lines up and down a couple of sets of steps that were kind of integral to um, the giant superhero photo shoots because we are so large we have to utilize every single set of steps and it's not like for half an hour it's for an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes Um, another major set of steps um, had panels regularly exiting down those steps uh, and that's the largest set of steps where obviously the largest big photos that you see every year are from uh, and there was a couple other smaller sets of steps that were completely unusable um, this year so with the unfortunately with the abbreviated use of the steps um, with some of those only being available intermittently and you know with and i can understand dragon con's point the times that panels will exit down those steps being you know somewhat approximate because you never know when a panel is going to uh egress or ingress you know it's it's hard for us as a group to be able to reliably put on a photo shoot um, when we have such limited space available um the first year that um that we just showed up and was like hey guess what there's a dj here there's a telescope there and you can't use half the steps um, we made it happen, but it was quite literally by the skin of our teeth. Um, and from uh, trying to plan around that logistically ahead of time, it's it's nearly impossible. And from a safety aspect, um, it gets a little problematic for us when, you know, let's say we want to put 500 people on a set of steps up and down very quickly. Um, and, you know, the last thing I want to do is have my team put together a photo shoot um, due to powers outside of our control, have it fail and um, perhaps fail, fail spectacularly. Because um, I know at the end of the day, the blame would probably fall on us when, you know, it might not be our fault. It might be things that are outside of our control. So unfortunately, uh, as of February, after going back and forth with Dragon Con for uh, many months um, and not really seeing any difference in the progress that we had made with them, other than, hey, we'll let you guys know when we're going to exit, we'll give you kind of like a warning for when you need to clear our steps and um, uh, nothing other than that. Then, hey, we'll put up some signs announcing this. Um, it's really just it's, it's kind of an untenable situation. We're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And trust you me, I mean, this year will be my, I think, 11th Dragon Con or 12th. I've lost count. I'd have to go back and, and look it up. Um, mm-hmm. I love the convention. Obviously, I love the convention. It's one of the reasons I moved to Atlanta. Uh, quite seriously, it's because I love Dragon Con. I love the convention. I've got so many friends here who are here because of the convention. So, you know, it's it's with a very heavy heart and sad. It's you know, like I told you, these these things are my babies. Um, but uh, you know, it's something that I think you know, unless and until things change from the convention standpoint. Uh, it's something that I think is just going to have to be in the past. Wow, and that uh, that is that is sad. And I've seen, you know, already the reaction online has been, you know, pretty uh, pretty sympathetic. 
and and pretty uh, a lot of people that are disappointed um, and uh, some some so much that uh, it's affecting whether or not they're they're choosing to go to Dragon Con, which is uh, an amazing thing in and of itself. You know, um, you know, and I, I'm I'm always sad to see that because, like I said, I I love the convention, um, but the fact remains that. Uh, this is an, an enormous draw for the convention, and um, universally online, or near universally, I should say, there was pretty much uh, a negative reaction to the uh, cancellation of the shoots. Not towards us, but really a negative reaction towards DragonCon. Um, right. Uh, which is which is sad to see, and the, the hundreds of negative reactions. And you know, I think the con, to their credit, I think they've recognized that, uh, and I think they're still trying to work through possible solutions to come up with whether or not, you know, anything of that nature happens in 2018 with six months to go before the convention or if something happens in 2019. Um, I sincerely hope, uh, and, and I do believe that um, they will ultimately do something to help out the fans. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing to ask your fans to say, Hey, we know that you guys want to use this space, but we're kind of stuck. We need to use this space, but then not offer those fans any alternative other than, Hey, go use this park down the street that might take you 30 minutes to get there and back. And, um, you know, you're still going to be in the heat. And for me, I think that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It's kind of a, a bad perception sure. um, to tell the you're paying customers to leave the venue that you're paying for. Um, of course, obviously, I'm a little biased being one of um, these customers um, who, in my belief, is part of the core constituency of the convention. Uh, I have a degree in marketing. And so when I look at DragonCon, I, I think to myself, what is the niche that DragonCon has? Now, what is different from DragonCon from any other convention? And anybody you would ask would tell you, well, it's the costuming. I mean, it's a level and quality and quantity of costuming that no other convention can even remotely match. And in my mind, DragonCon should embrace that. Uh, they shouldn't say, well, we don't want to be known as just the costuming convention. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> emphatically, yes, they should want to be known as the costuming convention. Um, many months ago, uh, Right after DragonCon, uh, in early September, we submitted for the second time a proposal uh, to DragonCon for an indoor photo shoot area as a solution uh, that would solve a lot of issues. It would provide customers with a venue that was inside, out of the heat, out of the possible rain, with water. Um, we've had people fall out outside before with bathrooms, uh, a space that encompassed bleachers, uh, a costume repair area, backdrops. Uh, and I truly believe that such a space like that would not only be a major public relations win for the convention, it would be a major draw for attendance. And if DragonCon was to coordinate guest appearances with all the different groups uh, as best they could, I mean, the thing that we did with James Gunn a few years ago, imagine doing that five, six, seven times a year and all the publicity that that would gain the convention. And photos like that, you know, whether it was um, one of the Star Wars shoots or a Star Trek shoot bringing some of those guests, you know, there are giant 
um, shoots just besides superheroes, like the Disney group is always huge. The video game shoots are always enormous. Game of Thrones, Colonial Fleet, all of those are really large shoots. If we brought in those guests, we would have just an unparalleled, unmatchable marketing opportunity for the convention. Uh, and I think that such a, play, a space would ultimately pay for itself. Um, so I'm hoping that, that DragonCon has seen not only the hundreds of negative responses um, to turning down that idea, but I hope they in turn saw the hundreds of positive responses. And that was universal positive response when we floated that idea and solicited input from DragonCon attendees a few months back. I, I think it's a great idea, and I know that I've heard uh, rumblings about it here and there in the past, and I think it would be uh, an awesome idea, and I hope it comes to fruition at some point. But, um, well, very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talk about this. Um, where can people go to find you to talk a little bit more about it if they want to find in more information or if they want to keep track of and, and you know the giant superhero photo shoots as we mentioned are 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 not going to be around, but there will be some uh, still some photo shoots, some group photo shoots happening. Where can people find out all about that information and yourself? Um, I'm on Facebook as Logan Allen Wolf, and the other the, the photo shoots that are still occurring can be found on the spreadsheet that is pinned to the top of the. DragonCon group photo shoots page on Facebook. Um, you can find, and those all of those shoots listed are public with links available to where, you know, people who want to participate in those shoots can um, find out more information on that page. And again, that's the DragonCon group photo shoots page. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will have a link to that on our show notes so that people can check it out and uh and and get some more information but very cool well uh it is an unfortunate thing and i i was uh i'm happy that you're on to talk about it because uh when i saw the post i was kind of a little bit confused as to how this could happen and uh, i can understand the logistics of it being an an absolute uh, huge undertaking so um i'm hoping that you know you got you and 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 dragon con can work together to to make sure that it happens in the future but um thanks for coming on and tell us about uh 2018 thank you so much for having me mike i appreciate it have a great night you too and again, appreciate uh, Alan, you coming on and telling us a little bit about uh, what's going on with that. We'll definitely uh, keep you uh, in the loop as we hear more information about uh, the group photo shoots, but definitely go to that link and so you can find out more about that. So um, since we talked last, uh, there has been a ton of guest announcements. So without further ado, uh, since Mary is in here, I will sub for Mary. So I will try my best uh, to, uh, to to help Mike Faber along with this massive list of, uh, of folks that we've got coming this year. So without further ado, Mike. All right, folks, let's get started with the list. Mike is going to be my assistant. And remember, for every word we get wrong, you take a shot. So by the time we get done with this list, I don't think you'll remember the rest of the show. So that's even better sometimes. So let's get started. Mike, you're going to start the list. Timothy Zahn is the author of 11 Star Wars books and the Cobra, Quadrail, and Dragonback series. Recent books include Star Wars Thrawn and Cobra Traitor. Upcoming books include Star Wars Thrawn Alliances and A Call to Vengeance, the third of the Manicor Ascendant series written with David Weber. 
Jamie Ian Swiss is a magician, author, and public speaker. Television appearances include CBS's 48 Hours, PBS's Nova, The Today Show, and The Late Late Show. He is the author of books including three collections of essays. Robert W. Pope. For nearly 30 years, Robert Pope has been a cartoonist, animator, and comic book artist who has worked for DC, Boom, IDW, and more. He currently draws Looney Tunes for DC and the Peanuts Gang for Simon & Schuster, among others. Van Allen Plexico is a new Pulp and Pulp Factory award-winning author best known for his nine-volume Sentinel superhero novel series and multi-award-winning Shattering Space Opera novels and comics, as well as two books about Marvel's Avengers. And his recent book, Vegas Heist, is really good. I just finished it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one that you want to pick up. So, um, Speaking of friends of the station, Bobby Nash, the award-winning Bobby Nash. They're letting him out of the airlock? Wow. Yes, absolutely. When not wandering around the con, starstruck, award-winning author Bobby Nash writes novels, comic books, short prose, graphic novels, and screenplays for multiple publishers. Comfort and Adam are the award-winning nomination due responsible for the unique and rainbow in the dark and the complete guide to self-publishing comics on Random House. Clay and Susan Griffith are the authors of The Flash, The Haunting of Barry Allen, and Arrow, A Generation of Vipers, the official tie-in novels for the hit CW shows. They are also creators of the Vampire Empire series of novels. Nubia Award-winning author Esther Freisner's publishing history of 41 novels, 203 short stories, three single author collections, 11 anthologies, and more is highlighted by her creation editing of the popular Chicks and Chainmail anthology and the Young Adult History Princess of Myth series. Oh, Mike, guess what? What? Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your, is this your fourth time? As a guest, Your yes. Fourth time, may being a guest. Four, four time. Exactly. Mike Faber is the founder and CCO of the geeky and ever expanding ESO network. He hosts the Earth Station One and the Earth Station Who podcast. He teaches and mentors new podcasters on starting and producing new projects. The ESO network celebrates all things sci fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Congratulations, Mike. Well, thank you. I, I love hearing that. It just You reading it just made it even more classy, so it's awesome. <laughs> you know, it would have been great if Mary would have read it, but just hearing you just puts a certain class on it, you know? Ah, uh, you know, I do what I can. You know, because, you know, like when I get into the WWE Hall of Fame, I'll have you do my introduction for it. So it'll be perfect. Okay, fair enough. James Burns is a graphic designer, illustrator, and comic artist. He created an autobiography comics notably his long-running grumble series in 2002 he was diagnosed with a detached retina which threatened his eyesight after recovering he wrote and drew his first comic book detached about that experience the guy james is uh chuck brown has written the punisher and black panther comics for marvel he is the writer and co-creator of rotten apple for dark horse comics and is the writer and co-creator of bitterroot that will debut in 2018 at Image Comics. He has been self-publishing for more than 18 years. God bless him. Joe Benitez is a comic book artist who has worked on such titles as JLA, Superman, Batman, Detective Comics, Supergirl, and Titans for DC Comics, and The Darkness for Image Comics. 
Mike McCone's first published work was for DC Comics, Justice League of America, and Marvel Comics' Punisher series. In the years since, he has illustrated almost every major character for the big two publishers, including lengthy runs on Teen Titans, Amazing Spider-Man, and Fantastic Four. Rachel Kimberly is a co-owner and podcaster on the Geeky 10 Media Network. When Rachel is not podcasting or cracking the whip at her favorite podcasting team, she is a full-time mother, wife, and teacher of special needs students. John Barrowman most recently wowed his fans. See, that's what that's code for showed his bum with his, <laughs> with his role as Malcolm Merlin in the Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. He is I don't also... think he ever showed his bum on either of those shows, though. No, I don't think he did, but he does at every show he goes to. He is also iconically known as Captain Jack Hartness from the Doctor Who series and spinoff Torchwood. Yes, and is notorious for showing his bum at conventions. Carol E. Barrowman is a collector. Ah, I just messed up. Carol E. Barrowman, in collaboration with her brother, John Barrowman. Carol Barrowman has written two biographies and five novels, including the acclaimed Hollowed Earth, a middle grade fantasy series about a brother and sister who can bring their drawings to life and anime into art. Robert Jackson Bennett is a two-time winner of the Shirley Jackson Award for Best Novel and an Edgar Award winner for Best Paperback Original. City of Stairs was shortlisted for the Locus Awards and the World Fantasy Award. His seventh novel, City of Miracles, is available now. Aretta Bumgarner is performing teaching artist specializing in puppetry, masks, and movements. She's been a professional puppeteer since 1992 and is a proud to be the educational director at the world-renowned Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, the latest nonprofit organization dedicated to the art of puppetry in the United States. Adam Bryce Thomas is a comic artist currently working freelance. He most recently completed Sega's Sonic Forces comic series and has contributed works to other comics in the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, in addition to Pencil. Don Rosa, who is well-known in American comic book fandom since the 1960s for his fanzine work, Don Rosa became internationally famous in 1987 for writing and drawing Karl Barks' Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck comics for the international publishers making Rosa one of the world's best-known cartoonists. George Perez. Can we just say George Perez is the man? Oh, of course he is. He, <laughs> I don't think we need to say anything else. George is just awesome. He is the man. He is an illustrator and writer of comics. Along with John Byrne, he was arguably the most popular and influential artist in American comic books in the 1980s. He primarily illustrates superhero comics and is known for his clean, dynamic, yet ornate style and his very big, big, big smile. Literally, George has not met a friend he hasn't liked. You know, everybody is his friend, and that's pretty Awesome. awesome. Yes. Jim Beard has written Star Wars and Ghostbusters comics, co-edited Planet of the Apes, Tales from the Forbidden Zone, wrote Spider-Man, Enemies Closer, A Story for the X-Files, Secret Agenda, and Gotham City, 14 Miles, a book on the 1966 Batman TV series, as well as work for Marvel.com since 2003. All right. Get those shot glasses ready. Emmanuel Vagir? Vagir. That sounds good. All right, we'll say it. All right. 
Um, I am butchering her name, and it's uh, unfortunate because she's uh, very much a, a pretty um, a, a accomplished actress. But she is perhaps best known for her role in the innovative series Lost Girl, a Canadian supernatural drama. She had a recurring role in this highly rated original show, playing the role of the vain and dangerously so- sociopathic The Morgan. Okay. Well, the next couple are going to sound very familiar, folks. Yeah, there's, gonna, there's a lot of Lost Girl folks here. Exactly. Actress Kesna Solo most recently has starred as the quick-witted and playful Kenzie in the hit series Lost Girl. She has also been a series regular on the hit AMC series Turn and had a recurring role on the cult BBC America hit Orphan Black for its third series. Rachel Scarston is an actress who's best known for her role as Diana Lance in the television series short-lived television series Birds of Prey. She's also plays Tamsin in Lost Girl and Elizabeth I of England in Rain. Her other roles include Transport of the Series, Flashpoint, The L.A. Complex, and The CW's Beauty and the Beast. Anna Silk has most recently starred as the lead character, Bo, on the sci-fi showcase hit series Lost Girl. I'm shocked. The series followed the life of Bo, a succubus learning to control her supernatural abilities and discover her origins. We're going to take a break really briefly from Lost Girl cast members to talk about Brian Polito. He is an American creator, writer, and producer of comic books and films. Brian's known for his unique brand of edgy pop cultural entertainment and merchandise. He has created, written, or co-written hundreds of comic books, including Lady Death, Evil Ernie, and Purgatorio. Zoe Palmer is best best known for playing Dr. Lauren Lewis in the showcase sci-fi hit series, you guessed it, Lost Girl, and the android in the TV series Dark Matter. Her other credits include the Taken TV series, Real Detective, Flashpoint, Nikita, Degrassi, The Next Generation, The Guard, and much, much more. Here's a big one. John Noble is perhaps best known for his role as Walter Bishop in the series Fringe. I love his voice. He is such an awesome voice. <laughs> really. And uh, Denethor in Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, and The Two Towers. Most recently, he has starred in Sleepy Hollow and voiced Malice in Legends of Tomorrow. Rick Holland is an actor who is best known for his portrayal of Trick in the hit series Lost Girl. Over five seasons, he appeared in an impressive... Th- 73 of the 77 episodes. Other performances include guest starring on Sanctuary, Billable Hours, The Murdoch Mysteries, and Sue Thomas, FBI. Chris Holden Reed, having played the cool, shape-shifting fae and Detective Dyson in Showcase's drama series, Lost Girl. His most memorable roles also include Sir William Compton on the historical drama The Tudors, Quint in Underworld 4, Ivind in Vikings, Nylander in Arrow. I don't remember that character at all. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Galactic <laughs> Authority Inspector Kraken in Dark Matter and many more. And that guy gets around. Mm-hmm. Casey Collins, also known as Chris Collins, is a Canadian film voice and television actor best known for his role as Hale on the Canadian television show Lost Girl. His other credits included... Andre Daniels in the 2014 RoboCop, Saving Hope, Single Ladies, Roman on the Strain, and much, much more. 
And last but certainly not least, Paul Amos is perhaps best known for his recurring character, Dr. Robert in the Murdoch Mysteries and Vex in the showcase sci-fi hit. Guess what? Lost Girl! You got it! He has also worked on several other projects, including Combat Hospital, Warehouse 13, Degrassi Goes to Hollywood, Mud Pit, She's the Mayor, and Casualty. And as you can tell, we have got an influx of cast members from Lost Girl joining us this year. I have not seen any episodes of Lost Girl. Has anybody else seen Lost Girl? Nope. No, I have not. Much nope. to Kevin Batchelder's chagrin. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to talk to Kevin later, and I'm sure he's. Uh, I'm sure he's ecstatic uh, about uh, all of this because that's a that's a lot of people for one show. I'm not sure I can remember hearing, you know, that many people for a single show announced like that before. That's a that's huge. No, it's pretty amazing that they got almost the whole cast. Uh, they hot off the presses, though, right off the Dragon Con Facebook page. They made an announcement today. They have a new guest. You ready for this? Felicia Day is returning to Dragon Con. Of course, she uh, is better known for, well, she's in the new MST3K, the Return series, as yeah. well. Of course, she has recurring roles on uh, Supernatural, and uh, she's responsible for Guild Wars, right? Yes, the Guild. So. The Guild, yes. She is awesome. She is awesome. And also Dr. Horrible and, you know, so many other things she's done. She's she's a true. Was she in Lost Girl, though? That's what I want to know. I don't think she was in Lost Girl. That's the thing. (laughs) That's the next season. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've managed to make it through another guest list. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Whew. That's uh, that works up. a Man, I have a lot of respect for Mary a lot more now than I did. Not that I didn't before, but man, that's that's more. <laughs> I was gonna say, what do you what do you mean by that? No, no, no. I, I like I respect Mary a lot. She's been with us, and she's done that with Mike uh, quite a number of times. And I don't know, I don't know that I've done it before, except I think that one time was it last year that you guys, none of you guys, were on the show. <laughs> I had to come up with a whole different crew, so that was oh uh, who. Anyway, so that was great. Um, so a lot of guests coming, obviously, from Lost Girl, but there's going to be tons more. So be prepared uh, because uh, this is just the the first of many, many, many guest announcements that are going to be made over the next few months, I'm sure. Um, well, very cool. Well, um, I thought uh, for this month uh, to talk about our our monthly topic uh, one of the things that popped up in my um, in my feed uh, about a few weeks ago was just uh, an article, basically, you know, questioning whether or not um, whether or not that escapism is is a healthy exercise, is a healthy practice for people, you know, in this day and age when uh, there's so much that needs our attention. Um, is is there a place for escapism? And and in particular, is there a place for people who get really worked up and passionate about escapist things, um, like they do online? I mean, you know, for for example, you know, we've seen we've seen people issue death threats to actors or creators or even other fans just because they have a difference of opinion on about something on a TV show or in a movie. 
a different theory about something than uh, just as they would if, you know, something was uh, happening in real life. Um, and furthermore, you know, we're in relation to Dragon Con. Dragon Con is a celebration of escapism, I think it's fair to say. It's a celebration, it's a gathering of folks who really are passionate about a number of different ways, uh, and uh, whether it's gaming or whether it's costuming or whether it's just enjoying television, movies, comics, et cetera, et cetera, art in some ways, um, music, um, that they can just go and, you know, sort of celebrate and and forget about the real world for a little bit. And is, you know, the question is, is that sort of behavior healthy? Um, and certainly, you know, there's a lot to this. It's not, I don't think it's an easy yes or no answer, but uh, is it something that you've thought about at all, Tacoma? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've totally thought about it. Uh, escapism is something that's been around since, we had storytellers. So it's something that we're never going to get away from. It's something that everyone needs. It's uh, everyone needs it from time to time. You can't live your entire life completely 100% in the real world all the time. You just, you'd be a very depressed person. You have to have that, that little, whatever it is that you do to escape, even if it's just meditating, that's still a form of escapism. It doesn't have to be something that's, that's pop culture themed or stories or virtual reality or video games or movies or whatever. Um, it can be, it can be anything that just kind of disconnects you. And it's, it's certainly something that I've thought about a lot. It's not something that I think is unhealthy. I think our society has taken things to an extreme and there's a portion of it that just happens to be a larger portion than what we're used to seeing that have kind of made it their way of life. Um, I, like we are a generation who is very uh, uh, in the now culturally aware as far as like what it is we watch, what it is we do, those kinds of things. When I say culturally aware, of course, I'm referring to, to pop culture in this regard. Um, and it's something that we've always had. We are a TV generation. We are an internet generation and it's continuing. And as that continues, I imagine we're going to see more and more of it. It's convenient that we're actually recording this on the day that uh, the Ready Player One releases into theaters. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, some could say we're on the brink of the oasis, right? I mean, I, I think that's still, I think that's still uh, far off. I mean, I, as far as our virtual reality goes, it's, it's improved, sure, from what it has that we called virtual reality in the late 80s, early 90s-ish timeframe that wasn't really mass marketed, but it's definitely not at that point. But escapism itself is definitely something that needs to be watched. And it's something that I think if people start engaging with other people more and maybe disconnect a little, you can still have escapism where you're not so focused on things where you become detached from the rest of humanity. And that's where I worry that it might eventually go. But otherwise, I think it's a completely healthy practice. Well said. Well said. Michael, what about you? Yeah, uh, there's a, a quote of mine that, or that, that is one of my favorites. It comes from the uh, the 200th episode of Stargate SG-1, appropriately titled 200. And at the very end of that episode, they they basically had a, a show where they were trying to influence the storyline of a, a show that, inside the show that was very similar to what they do on SG-1. And at the end, the, the guy kind of breaks character. And he looks at the camera and says that science fiction is an existential metaphor that allows us to tell stories about the human condition. 
Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may be may seem as trivial as ever to the blinded critics and philosophers of today, but the core of science fiction, its essence, has become crucial to our salvation if we are to be saved at all. I extend that to to escapism because that's really the core of, you know, like, like uh, you know, like we're saying, like Tacoma was saying that, you know, it tells us stories about ourselves in a, a more palatable form. Instead of having someone up in your face saying, you know, what you're doing is wrong, you can see an example of it. I think the biggest difference that we have now versus, say, the 1960s, you know, there's still death threats and stuff being written back then. But they were still they were long form. They were on on letters sent to sent to the networks uh, instead of now where it's, you know, Twitter and Facebook. And it's just immediate access. You know, those letters back then would be filtered out by by someone who's reading them and chucking them aside. You know, OK, these don't matter. These aren't important. And now it's, you know, you open up your inbox and it's right there. I think it's the, that kind of almost ease of access in a, in a sense that, you know, from both ends, creators are receiving this stuff immediately. And the people who are upset about something like, OK, well, that twist in Star Trek Discovery was not something I expected. It's not the way I would have written it. Well, I'm just going to type this out and, fl and fling it out into the end of the ether and it's gone. You know, it's, it's immediate gratification. And I, I agree that if we if we took the opportunity to kind of to step back, to think about our actions, to maybe interact on more of a personal level rather than a cyber level, that maybe we'd be able to tamp that down a bit more. But I think the escapism itself isn't to blame. It's, it's always been there and it will continue to be there as long as there are stories to be told. Yeah, Very good. I 100% I uh, agree with that. I think that the ease of access to, to these people, whether they're the actors, the creators, whatever, has definitely made it um, more acceptable for people to go out and just do these kinds of things, whether it's death threats or, you know, whatever the case may be. And a lot of times, sometimes those are, those are just trolls and you have to really stop and think about that and go, okay, I'm getting this. Is this something that's a real threat that I need to be aware of, especially in today's day and age where our privacy, even our cyber privacy is so thinly veiled that it's pretty much not there. It's not like, like you said, the 1960s where it was something that somebody had to go and get a stamp for and then they had to put it in the post office and they had to find the address and they had to do blah, blah, blah. Like you can look up an IP address and do some routing and you can find a general location for where somebody's located with not a whole lot of knowledge. Um, it does not take much, even without an IP address, you can, you can find where somebody is. And I do think that the majority of the people, they are definitely the people who are doing those kinds of things are definitely the minority of, uh, of the people who are taking the escapism to an extreme. And then, like I said, you do have the trolls. And I think those trolls don't realize how much their negative comments affect the person that they're, that's actually reading them, that's actually receiving them, whether it's in a way that they feel shame for something that they've done or whether it's in a way that they have a genuine fear or for the fact that they're just reinforcing the stereotype that's slowly starting to form of there being eccentric nerds that take things to an extreme that can be deadly. I mean, look at the, uh, what was it last year where we had the, the guy who attacked the green power ranger, I want to say it was over in like Philadelphia. Oh, right. Am I, am I wrong on that one? I remember us uh, doing it. It was in, I, I think it was in, yeah, it was in Colorado. I think it was in Denver. Uh, okay. And I'm not sure what color ranger it was actually, but yes, I mean, there was someone who 
who posted. And, you know, actually, that's where social media was a good thing because he had pre-posted that he was going to do it on social media. So therefore, people who were, you know, yeah, he had actually messaged so- a woman that he had been talking to and, and said he was going to do it. Right. And that's where it kind of got out and people were aware and were looking for him and were able to stop him before he did any real damage. Yeah, we'll never be able to stop escapism, but I do think it's something that uh, that we need to stop using as a as a tool to not have to learn lessons and interact with people. It is definitely something that we can learn something, and we do learn things from ourselves from the time that we're children up through our our much much older years. Um, but it's also something that we've kind of handed over to people to just be like, oh, okay, well, you can do this, or, oh, they'll eventually grow out of that, or, oh, it's just a phase. And then it goes from being something that they're kind of into, something that they're really into, to something that they're obsessed with, something that they're obsessed with to the point that it's the only thing that matters in their life. Yeah, well, with anything, I mean, obviously, moderation is is always key, right? I mean, any you can be addicted to anything on, a, on an unhealthy level, whether it's drugs or Star Trek, right? Um, so, so any, you know, obviously, you know, if you're talking extremes, then yes, I mean, there's certain elements to escapism and there's certain elements to fandom that is, that is not healthy. But I think, um, you know, overall, I think Mike made a good point, um, where, um, you know, certainly back in the day, like when we look at the classic series, like Twilight Zone and the early days of Star Trek, you know, they they were telling stories in a science fiction environment because they they that's the way they could get them past the censors. And that's the way they could deal mm-hmm. with sort of telling real, real issues. I don't know that I see that as much in today's science fiction and fantasy. Um, the, the, the scope is a little different. I'd like to think that it exists out there, but I don't think it's as much and as, as pre- prevalent as it was then. So, so Mike, do you have any uh, any feelings about escapism as a whole, or or whether it's healthy or not? Well, in some ways, it is healthy because you know sometimes life just gets a little bit too much. And you know, when I was a kid, you know, I used escapism to escape some of the realities that I was growing up with in my life. And you know, I that's how I discovered Doctor Who. You know, I wanted to be taken away with the TARDIS and such. And, you know, to do that. And it's great to escape sometimes, but you can't let that be your life. Also, you have to be able to handle things and deal with issues and such. But, you know, and that's what's the great thing with Dragon Con, because it almost feels like you go into a whole nother world and you escape into the world of nerdum and geekum. And, you know, it's the great, it's great. It's like, how do we call it at times we call it nerd nirvana or something i was gonna say it's like it's like going to the wardrobe exactly the witch in the wardrobe <laughs> well it is as soon as you walk into the marriott it's like oh i'm home this is you know this is where <laughs> i'm supposed to be these are my people and truthfully this is what you know a lot of people look forward to all year to a lot of people who go to dragon con this is their main vacation for the year mm-hmm and this is their big thing that they do. This is what they save up for all year round is to go to Dragon Con and to be with their friends and to just let loose and have a great time. Yeah, I used to, you know, it's funny because I can remember 
sort of laughing the first time I went to a uh, a concert back in the uh, late eh, mid eighties. I went to see like the Cure and and New Order and that kind of thing. And and it was funny because at our school, you know, we had and and one of them may or may not have been me, uh, but we had kids that were into goth, and um, that they stood out big time. You know, in a, in a small school, small environment, these kids just looked like they were outsiders and they didn't belong anywhere. Right. They just were the, their own thing. But and this was true, I'm sure, across the board at all these communities and all these schools. But when you go to the show, everybody's dressed in black. Everybody's got everybody's like. So there was, you know, you sort of laugh because. You know, on the one hand, these outsiders are no longer outsiders anymore. All of a sudden, they're in the community. But for for them in particular, it must it's such a it's what we feel like when we are at Dragon Con. It's such a relief because suddenly you're not the outsider. You're not the one. You're there's people that are like you. There's people you can relate to. There's it, it's a it's a it's an effort. It's a it's like a family that, uh, you know, that you can relax. You don't have to, you don't have to put on a, a, a defense. You don't have to get all defensive. You don't have to put up a wall. You can, you can just sort of relax and hang with people that are much like yourself, like looking in a mirror in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of opportunity there to, to learn from people who are, who are, in the same mode as you as well. I've learned a lot of stuff just by sitting on those fan panels and attending quite a few as well, because it's, you go in, you're going to talk about a topic that you love, Star Trek, Star Wars, Firefly, Ghostbusters, whatever. And you come in with your mindset of like, this is what I like about this thing. And there's a, a panel of fans up there that are discussing it. And they bring up something new that you never thought of before. They, they, they kind of broaden those horizons. You, you're all still fans in the room. It doesn't ruin your fandom, but it gives you another thing to really latch on to and say, I didn't know that angle. I'm going to go explore that now. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. And, and the really well-run fan panels are inclusive. So they're not, they're not just, they're not just a bunch of people up there going, this is what we think and we're going to tell you this and that's it. No, no. They're encouraging people in the audience to, to speak up and, and let them know like, you know, what they feel as well. So your voice can be heard. Um, uh, I've always, uh, tried to do that when I, when I participate in fan panels as well. And, uh, you know, the look on, in the, in, you know, the, the, the fact that you get so much, I mean, there's a lot of people that just want to like stay in their seats and do and, and not participate. And that's great. But then you've got other people, you got some people who want to participate a little bit too much. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's always the, the danger. But I think Michael also, when you were talking about, you know, um, when we were talking about trolls and everything too, I think the one thing that's unique or that's interesting is that even though in this virtual reality we have with the, with the social media, with the trolls and everything like that, and people are voicing their opinions and they're quite negative. When you get into these situations at dragon con in particular, that's not there. It's not like you go to these fan panels and everybody's bickering and negative and just shouting at each other like you would like you would expect to see in a real life like like forum board. It's instead it's it's inclusiveness. It's it's hey, that's your opinion. Okay, well that's cool, but here's mine. And 
there's a lot more um, there's a lot more positivity and a lot more acceptance of of differing opinions than you would see like online than you do in person. Yeah, and there's actually been a couple times where the the trolls have kind of shown up to a few of those events, and they've been you know they've wanted to to spark some outrage in the audience, and the the audience. It's not like they they shut them down as that they're not tolerant of it, it, you know, of those opinions. It's just like we know you're here to cause trouble. Stop that, you know. We're here to yeah. celebrate this. We're here to to have a, a a convergence of opinions. But it's obvious that you know you, Mr. Troll, are not here to do that. You need to stop. You need to leave. We're we're here to do our thing. And they're usually severely outnumbered, so it usually gets shut down pretty quick, and they kind of just sit back into their seats, or they, like, get up and leave. It's interesting that they, um, A, that they show up sometimes. Uh, it's not very common that they do. And B, that they have so much more swaying power online than they do when they're face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, the swagger is a little difficult to, to carry off when you're there in person. Well, it's interesting too. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say I think that uh, that I think the reason that they can't pull it off, uh, pull off the agitation of people when they're face to face, is that when you're at Dragon Con and you're surrounded by so many other people who are into what you're into and who do care and who aren't there to to start things, the energy there just kind of makes you just walk away and go, whatever, dude. Exactly. It's basically these people can be anonymous online and, you know, rant and rave and bitch and moan and whatever, feel entitled or whatever they do, you know, online because they're they have protected because nobody knows who they really are. But if they're at a con, they have to face up to the reality. You know, there's a face with a name now. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, people could dress in costume and such, but if you're being an ass, you're going to get called for it most of the time at the con, if not by the person who you're being an ass to, by the people around them and by, you know, people who are running the con and stuff. They don't put up with that crap. And it's become even more prevalent, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, with the sensitivity of the Me Too movement and all that, you know, they don't want to put up with, you know, people being jackasses. And that's, that's a great thing. And, you know, yeah, you know, everyone wants to go to the con to be, have fun and to live in the fantasy of dragon God. But if somebody tries to bring it down and there's been experience with people from the outside or, the other people staying at the hotels, the football fans and stuff, trying to get into it with some of the geeks and the con goers and such. And a lot of times Dragon Con's had enough, you know, wherewith to be able to shut it down and such. You know, I doubt almost 100% whoever threw that frippin' chair off the balcony wasn't a regular Dragon Con goer. And, you know, there's proof they, that they said it was a football fan who was there to, you know, try to, hey, let's shake up the geeks. And people could have been killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, this is not the place for it. And truthfully, you know, this is almost 
truthfully, including the con people and including, you know, the other guests at these hotels, because, you know, there's guests from all over the world coming to this thing. You know, there's almost 100,000 people in a very limited space. I'm shocked there's not been more incidents and stuff, and I hope I'm not cursing it or something. But <laughs> kudos to Dragon Con and to the APD, you know, to be able to, you know, shut down anything before it gets started. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I one of the things I didn't mention at the beginning with my intro, but I'm also a member of the Dragon Con newbies group. You know, I help Kevin and, and Kim and Sue run that. And it's one of the things we actually talk about when we begin with these newbies is like, this is what you're walking into. This is an all inclusive zone. This is, you know, a, a celebration of geek and pop culture and fandom and all this other stuff. And if you if you see something, say something, you know, walk it, walk in pairs or in groups, you know. This is your party. Treat it like you own it because you do. I um I know that for my own personal self that uh, Dragon Con I can't you know it, to to say that Dragon Con and and everything that entails is not healthy or is not or can be harmful. I mean I, I get to some degree and every and everybody's wired different you know so I get that but. As far as my own personal take on it, I have been I, I it's been nothing but a benefit in my life in terms of uh, the the time you know I've been going for over twenty years. I never miss it. I feel like I can be myself at this show uh, more so than I can almost anywhere else, uh, whether it's at work in my day job or at home or wherever. I mean, it seems like this is. Uh, at DragonCon, I can I can actually be you know uh, I can express my opinions. I can I can love what I love without any sort of you know uh, repercussions in terms of negative repercussions. Um, I can because I've I've gotten involved. I've I've been able to you know do more thing more socially because I was uh, you know I'm I'm still not a very extroverted person. Uh, and, but yet I've been able to be on panels. I've been able to, uh, you know, sell my books. I've been able to create, I've been able to meet people and socialize and, and create friendships, which have been, uh, all very healthy for my life. Um, I, it gives me something specific to look forward to all year. So when things do get kind of down the rest of the year, um, I can take a look at it and I can go, well, at least I've got this to look forward to. Right. So, um, there's this, and that's just the basics of it. I mean, there's other things too, that have happened the specific things that have happened, but, um, I think that it's, you know, that it's a very, very, uh, healthy event. Um, and like I said, I know we're wired differently, but I, I'm just kind of curious as to whether, you know, on some level you guys are experiencing something like that as well. Of course, you know, I was one of those people who sat in the audience at panels and it's like, you know, I could do this. It doesn't look that hard. And, you know, <laughs> I sent I sent in, you know, an application the next year to be part of Brick Tracks. And that's what started my first panels. And it was even before I started doing Earth Station One or any kind of podcasting. <laughs> And it just, you know, went from there and, you know, look at me now, I do at least probably close to 15 panels over the weekend. 
and such, you know, I just because I love doing it. I love being out there and talking to people and meeting people and just talking about things I love and have passion about. Yeah, a lot of a lot of what I do with the panels and stuff, it, it's almost secondary. You know, I, I really enjoy talking about it and doing the research and and really geeking out with a whole bunch of people who are you know very similar to me. But and people find this really funny when I tell them this Dragon Con is like my family reunion. You know, it's I, I see people there every year that I that's the only time I get to see them during the year. It, and a lot of them are, are not from around here. They're from across the country and around the world. And it's my chance to catch up with them, see how their lives have been going, what their families have been up to, you know, and and celebrate their life celebrations, their life victories along with ours. And and just, you know, sit down and 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 have a drink and have dinner and, you know, just just enjoy my time with them because that's outside of the keyboard and monitor. That's when I'm going to get to see them. My experience with Dragon Con is completely different. I'm the only person here who's not on a panel. <laughs> you will be. So, um, <laughs> time will tell. Time will tell. You're going but, to be uh, one of us. One of us. <laughs> Don't drink the water. Uh, no, my my experience with Dragon Con, um, I can remember the first year that I went, and I'm still very much uh, a newbie in Dragon Con terms. Uh, the first year that I went, I took my my little sister because um, she was living with me, and uh, we were riding up the escalator at the Hilton, I want to say it was, and um, we had just left. Uh, we had just left one of the big group shoots that you all were talking about, except this is for Dragon Age, the uh, the video game. We're both video game players, and that's our thing. And um, she had, she was 15, I want to say at the time, she had turned bright red. She was wearing this panda onesie pajama thing because she wouldn't do a costume and it was the closest thing she would do. And she's 15, so she's like not wanting to talk to anyone and super introverted. And uh, there was a guy that was there that was dressed up as Alistair, who's like the heartthrob of the game. And she turned bright red when she saw him and asked for his picture. She had to have me ask for his picture. And as we're riding back up the escalator and she's slowly turning back to normal color, she's like, she looks over at me and she goes, these are my people. She goes, I feel so at home here. And like, we both just had this huge smile on our face the whole weekend. And it really was, it is one of those things where while you're there, you can just kind of let go. It's a it's a weird blur between escapism and reality because in reality that is who you are, but it's escapism because it's the one place you can go where you can really be who you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Dragon Con for me is just a uh, part of it is work. Let's not lie, part of it is seriously work for those of us who do work it, and uh, the rest of it is is fun and and joyful and it shouldn't shouldn't be hindered in any way no i agree i agree and i'm hoping that you know i mean as as far as i can tell with my experience as it gets bigger um i i still feel it gets better um and i still am able to have the personal experiences that i was able to have 20 years ago um so um i haven't noticed I mean, certainly sometimes it's kind of more difficult to get around, certainly. Um, but as far as the essentials of what makes Dragon Con Dragon Con, 
I think are, are still there in spades. I, I don't think uh, that that uh, the largeness of the crowd or the size of the convention has has ruined it for me. I agree completely. You know, everyone kept on saying, oh, once they get to 80,000, it's going to be way too crowded. It's going to be too worse and blah, blah, blah. But Dragon Con's adopted and, you know, adapted to new things, added new buildings, and it continues to grow. And I think, you know, they've had some growing pains over the years. We've all seen it, you know, and it's just going to keep on happening as the con keeps on growing. They're going to be little bumps in the road. And I'm just looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've still 20 some years I've been going, I barely scratched the surface. There's still a lot that I could, you know, explore. And it seems like every year I'm finding out something new that, it, that happens there. So it's still, it still hasn't lost its like mysterious luster to me. You know, it's still kind of a, 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 a just a really awesome thing that happens. Nope. Agree completely. And, you know, it's something I always look forward to. And there's going to probably be a time I'd possibly move away from Atlanta. I'm still planning on coming back for Dragon Con. That's how much I love it. Yeah, I can't imagine missing it at all. Like, I just can't. Like, it's, <laughs> nope. It's, uh, if there's one thing I have to do every year, it's go to Dragon Con. Amen to that. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate that. Um, when now we've got, uh, it just so happens that um, our good friend Michelle Biddick Simmons also has has something to say about about whether or not uh, these gatherings are healthy or not. So, without further ado, we will go to Michelle. And now we have once again with us Michelle Biddick Simmons. Welcome back to the station. Thank you. Hello. Hello, and uh, what is, I think you've got a, a really interesting topic, uh, current topic this, this yes. month. Yes, yes. Um, it's depression. What I was going to do was about cortisol and depression, but um, this very interesting thing just came out about Finland that I've been actually following since the 90s. Um, no, go back, the 80s, and I, I'm thrilled about it, and I'll explain why in a minute, but the, I'm going to call it It Can't Rain All the Time because it's a geeky title that people will understand. Yes. Um, first, there are two things I want to say beforehand. If you have an issue that you need meds for depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disease, anything like that, go and see your doctor, stay on your meds, don't go off your meds. And nothing that I say is in any way trying to dismiss anybody dealing with depression, because a lot of times um, people are not heard, sadly, by their doctors, and they're often told just to get out and walk, go for a good 10-minute walk. Well, that's actually something that they're taught to say now because there's chemical um, evidence that this actually can help you, but sadly, it comes off quite often in a very crass way. And um, let me tell you, uh, uh, this very quickly, a study recently came out, and this is the second study that has shown that women, they're saying young women, but I'm like, no, it's all women, that women, particularly women dealing with pain, <clears throat> excuse me, and depression or depression are disregarded by their doctors and often treated as if it's um, something they made up rather than something they're actually dealing with. And I'm hoping at a future date to have some more stuff on that about some stuff that's going on in the States with studies right now that's really interesting about 
the immune system and depression and evolution. Very interesting. But let me talk about Finland. Okay, so I started following um, information about Finland in the 80s. Um, Finland, I'm not going to go into all the stuff about why, but go and read up on Finland. It's pretty damned interesting. Finland historically has had an issue with suicide and mass depression. And I mean, badly. At one point, um, Japan was like the major place, and then Korea, and then Finland. And the Finnish government got really, really worried because it, it was that bad. And so they started, and um, first it really shut up in the 80s, but in the mid to late 90s, they started trying to figure out what they could do. And so um, it's very interesting because this medical thing came out where they, they studied from 2000 to 2010 what Finland had done and basically said they had, um, that all the money they had thrown at this particular issue had not made a difference, that it was a waste of money. I call bull let me tell you why. Uh, Finland just was voted the happiest uh, country in the, in the world. And it's, it's, okay, they have been able to change basically the national happiness set point which is stunning and staggering. And it is following that thing of go for a walk. Let me tell you what they ended up doing. Um, and, and I really did. Paul will tell you, I studied this. I followed this. Any article I could find, I was digging constantly for years about this. Because Finland was like, um, what can we do? We're having this problem. People are feeling very disconnected. And they have a thing in um, Europe that goes across in certain areas. And, and it's really bad in Munich that when this wind comes across, it's um, in the winter, a lot of people kill themselves. And it's a, they call it the depressing, depressing wind or the suicide wind. Um, and I've seen it, like when we went to Munich when I was a kid, you could tell people were just under it. So it's a climactic thing and the light changes, et cetera. And there's all this other stuff that goes along with it. Um, but the government decided to start addressing this. And one of the things that had happened was... Um, little social dance things popped up around Finland. And the government was like, this is actually interesting because this is not normal because you have to know, um, go and read up on, on the religious stuff because there's a lot of shame to Finland. It's, it's very interesting. And so it's very, um, and not all Finnish are like this. Let me just say that also. They, uh, there have been accidents. There used to be car accidents where people would drive by and not stop to help people because if they stopped and helped someone, that might be violating their privacy. Very strange. Um, and not all people are like that, as I said, but the, the social dance groups popped up and the government was like, oh, so in Europe and in Scandinavia in particular, almost every little area has its own community center. And so the government started using the community centers where they would have like language courses. They would have, um, if someone had a particular skill, they would start teaching a class. And then when the dancing thing started, um, they started having social dances or dance classes. And then on top of that, they, they were trying to figure out because there's so many people that lived out in the boonies and really didn't have a lot of contact with people and didn't have community centers. So churches stepped in, um, in that case. And, Finland set up this thing with um, basically they were really the first group or country to do uh, therapy online where you were basically on like Skype or something like that 
and talking back and forth with the therapist because they were really trying to help people. Well, we do have happiness at points. This has been chemically, I don't want to say proven, but shown and evidence supports it. It's like the people that win the lottery, but they're really unhappy people, but they win the lottery and they're on a high for a while, but then after a while they go back to where they were before. Well, when you're depressed, um, if you if you allow yourself to stay in depression, and I do say that if it's an extreme depression, that's out of your hands quite often because it's chemical. Um, but once you allow yourself to stay at a certain place, if it stays too long, you can change your biochemistry for the negative. And there had always been this thought that you could change your biochemistry for the positive, that maybe we could tweak it and get it back. Well, Finland, with this activity, these changes that they made, has reset the national happiness set point. So basically, I want to see studies next because this means that the children, the next generations, are going to be even happier because they're going into it already biochemically predisposed to happiness. Um, I am, seriously, you have no idea. I followed this for so damn long and I'm just, I was like in tears when I was reading this. But just the fact that it was um, human interaction, human interaction, get out. Even if you think other people don't like you, that's part of your, your illness telling you because depression is a biochemical illness and all of us get it at some time. Um, get out and move, talk to people, um, find little social groups, keep busy, find talk therapy, even if it's a group talk therapy, that is really great because having support, that is one of the number one things that we're told will help you. And it's true, particularly for women. Um, and here's the other thing. If you know what your triggers are that depress you, find ways to rework it mentally. Um, there are ways chemically to even rework it. And I mean, like, you're starting to go down, you know, you're horribly unhappy, get out and do the walk. It's not a disregarding of you. It's a, that will change your chemistry. Even a 10-minute 10, 10 walk can actually change your brain chemistry. Are there any questions? Wow, that was a lot of info. <laughs> so I was I'm sorry, I'm sitting there going, I'm just, I had to, I had to take a moment because I was like, whoa. Um, so basically, it sounds like um, the way that Finland was sort of able to compensate or, or to handle this or try to address this is to develop uh, more social activities for people. Yes, because what they really did was they went to their psychologists and psychiatrists and talked to them, and they also went to uh, you know other, other disciplines and spoke with them about this. And it was, you, they had to find a way to help people help themselves. And the biggest thing is um, human contact, that when you're depressed, it's just like being ill. When you're ill, and I will get to this in the future, like if we, if the stuff comes out of the, the universities I'm reading up about right now, um, but when you're ill, you shut down, you don't wanna be around people, your body temperature goes up because you start fighting stuff off. Guess what? When you are depressed, your body temperature goes up. You shut down. You don't want to be around other people. You lose interest. Food doesn't even necessarily taste that good, but you may be slamming it anyway just to you know, make yourself feel better for a while. But um, human contact is the number one thing. And when your brain is active with other things, you tend to be happier. So it's like get a hobby where you can talk to other people and be around them, get out in the sunshine, go for a walk. And, and it's all simple stuff, but I mean, they just reset their nation's happiness at point. 
So they've shown us on a major scale that what we can, what we deal with on a daily basis, because all of us do deal with depression at some point, just if it's from seasonal, you know, the light changing, um, we can all do this. This is not something that's about, you know, that's millions of people that just, you know, their next generation of kids are not going to be dealing with this anywhere near as much as the last one did. It's, it's amazing. That's awesome. And, uh, and is it a fair jump to, to state then that uh, going to events like Dragon Con, same time yes. here, are, is good for the soul? Yeah, and that's actually um, also why when you leave, you have the crash out. Um, because when you leave the event, and, and I wanted to address this too, start planning now. We're six months from it, uh, approximately six months from it. Have stuff set up so that after Dragon Con is over or any con or going to Disney or whatever, you have stuff to look forward to right away. So within the next couple of days of you being back home, you have stuff that you are going to enjoy going out to movies with friends. Just do something like I've contacted people in Knoxville and we're going to do something after Dragon Con. And it may end up being a more often thing, but we'll see. And um, I'm actually going to start working. I haven't let the people in Atlanta know yet, but I'm planning and they're going to hear it here first if they listen. Um, awesome. So I want to like we usually do halfway to Dragon Con. Sadly, we missed it last year and we're going to miss it this year being adults we're adulting but um i'm going to be proposing to the people in atlanta and the people that can make it to halfway that you know come down for the weekend and then that saturday morning we or sunday depending we do a fun run we're right there in the same area where we do the fun run friday for you know dragon con um and you know we meet at the hyatt bar we do things but we go and make a weekend of it like we have things we want to do where we get together, do our costumes, whatever. So literally that would get us that six months before Dragon Con, we would already be upping our happiness set point and priming ourselves to be with our tribe. Right, right. Well, that's that's awesome, yes. Um, more events like that would be, um, I think, it would keep that spirit going all the, all the year round. So, well, very good. Well, again, great information, great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. And uh, once again, where can people find you online? Drop by Dragon Con. It's on Facebook. Um, please, when you if you go to join, because it is a great group, I will tell you that flat out. Yes. Uh, and answer the questions. It's easier for me to vet you if you answer the questions. I can get you in a lot faster. Um, it is that time where we start seeing the influx because we're six months out. And if you really want to even drop 40 pounds or so or more before Dragon Con, you can hit it now. We're at a point where spring is coming and you're going to want to be outside more and you're going to want to be working out more and you're going to want to look hot at Dragon Con. So by God, come find us. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again, Michelle. Thank you guys. Now it's time for our segment with Eternal Zan. Hey Zan, how you doing this week? I am great. How are you? I'm doing good. What do we got this week? Well, I have a big, I have a bunch to cover this month. Um, my topics this month are about the Hilton waitlist and how to save money on your hotel room. Do you want me to just jump on in? Please do. Okay, let's do this. Uh, the big news this month is about the Hilton waitlist. The Hilton is a host hotel and it's also a legacy hotel. 
which in DragonCon terminology, a legacy hotel is a hotel where if you get the DragonCon rate one year, then you have priority to book that exact same hotel for the following year. So when you check in, you'll get information with the hotel instructions that you need to follow. Now, do you know anybody that's on the Hilton waitlist? Offhand, no, I don't. Okay. So, because if you did, you would definitely want to make sure they listen to this part. This year, the Hilton waitlist was cut off at less than 10 pages long. You had to sign for it in person at the convention. There was no other way to get on the list than in person. So if you know you signed up for it or you know somebody who did, make sure to check your email and your spam folders as soon as possible in case that gets sent to the spam. Because if you get an email from the Hilton, there will be a deadline to respond or the offer goes away. And the deadline to respond to get a room could be as little as one day and it may include a cutoff time. And instructions are gonna be in the email. So if you get the email, I recommend not sharing the booking information contained in it um, online or anywhere to prevent anyone from even trying to jump the line, which won't work anyway, but why give people bad ideas or false hope? So here's why trying to jump the line won't work. If you're on the wait list, you can't give your room to anyone else because the Hilton staff will check your information against the wait list. So there shouldn't be any line jumping. So if you get the email, um, you know, just keep the info to yourself. And we don't know how for sure how many rooms um, are available or how far down the wait list they're gonna get before they're all gone. But my best guess is because that wait list was so long that not everybody on the wait list is gonna get a room. So just cause you're on the wait list, you may or may not get an email. Now, here's the key, all this wait list stuff, that's about getting a room at a DragonCon rate, which will qualify you for legacy. So that basically means as long as you want it, you've got a room at the Hilton for DragonCon, unless they decide to stop doing legacy, which they can change the rules every year. Because um, the Hilton actually did stop doing legacy one year and then started it again the next year. But as long as you can stay on it and you want to stay at the Hilton, it's a great deal. So here's the thing, um, even if you're not on the wait list, that's important. Last year, the Hilton released some more rooms after they were done with the waitlist. So these rooms were not at the discounted DragonCon rate, and so they did not qualify as legacy rooms, but hey, there's still rooms at the Hilton, and the cost was still reasonable, you know, by DragonCon <laughs> standards. So even if you aren't on the waiting list, now is a good time to start keeping a closer eye on the Hilton website, www.hilton.com, and keep checking that availability. Did you have any questions about the Hilton? Well, a little bit, actually. You know, when you say reasonable rates, it's definitely not the set rate that they had for DragonCon, correct? Correct. It was above the convention rate. So okay. it was more expensive than the convention rate, but cheaper than the rate that they had at the Marriott or the Hyatt that was the full rate. Well, here's something I've always been curious about, Zan. Uh, when, you know, a lot of people have frequent, you know, the hotel points and stuff or frequent flyer miles they can use for hotels and such like that. Um, rumors going around that sometimes if you get the con rate, they don't give you the points because it's a special oh, rate. Oh, oh, that's true. I've never heard of anybody being, even people who are like, I'm a double, triple gold press latinum member and I can get rooms anytime. And even those people are like, except for dragon con, like, 
Um, so if you get the Dragon Con rate, they don't let you get any other kind of discount or points, um, you know, even if it's like hotel rewards points, because they're like, hey, the Dragon Con rate is the discount. Now, feel free to keep asking, because if somebody gets lucky on that one day, I definitely want them to tell us in the Dragon Con Rooms Facebook group so we can all benefit from your good fortune. That's but so good. far, the only thing I've heard of is, for example, last year when the Hilton released rooms after they were done with the wait list and they were the rooms at the full rate, then yes, you could go ahead and use whatever discount you could get. Oh, sure. Totally makes sense. That's cool. So I definitely, you know, think we've, you know, got to check into that. And if anyone out there knows, please let us know. Yeah, definitely. Anything you can do, that'd be very helpful. Um, now, this is also a good time of year to start checking the Westin Host Hotel for availability because they're known for releasing more rooms later in the year, starting in the spring or summer. And these rooms might be at the convention rate, which is unusual because most hotels don't release more rooms at the convention rate. So now's a good time of year to start. I haven't heard of any being released yet, to be clear, at the Westin. It's just that time of year. So start going to westin.com, which directs you to starwoodhotels.com, but I just think westin.com is easier to remember. And in my next section, I'm going to talk about how to save money on a room, and that includes how to set your search criteria so that a room pops up at the Dragon Con rate. Um, did you have any questions before I move on to that? Nope. Definitely want to find out all about it. Okay. So I'm going to speed round this. Um, Last month, the roundtable topic was about saving money. So this month, I'm going to talk about a neat trick to save money on your hotel room. And the key is to vary your internet search criteria and do the math based on the results. So search for different days, different room types, and number of people staying in the room, even if this doesn't match exactly what you want. So a good place to start is to enter a smaller number of roommates and a larger number of days than you might want. And this might not make sense at first, but it can actually save you money because different room availability results may pop up based on the occupancy level and the dates you enter. So it can actually be cheaper to get a room for four nights at the discounted Dragon Con rate than it would be for three nights at the full non-discounted rate. So I'm just gonna run through some quick math here. Let's say you wanna stay at the Marriott they have a four-night minimum stay to get the Dragon Con rate. I'm going to round up and use even numbers to make the math easy. Four nights at $400 is $1,600. And I'm including taxes, fees, and other expenses because for new people, it's very important to remember a room is always going to cost you more than the published rate on the Dragon Con website. And in order to save up enough money for the convention, it's an important to have a realistic understanding of how much you'll actually be charging to your credit card so that you don't go over your limit. So let's say if the full non-discounted rate at the Marriott is 800 a night, and that's a realistic cost when you include everything, then staying for three days at 800 would cost 2,400 and four days at 400 is 1,600. So again, four days at 400 is cheaper than three days at 800. So in that case, you'd save money by booking an extra day you wouldn't actually be there. So the takeaway here is to vary your search criteria. So you learn what all of your options are, gather all the information you can, do the math on what your expenses are going to be, and then make and then decide what makes sense for you. That makes sense. Ta-da! Wow. 
Any questions? No, I just learned something new. That's awesome. Yeah, and especially, uh, again, varying, just I, I know that was a lot there and I did it very quick. So again, the takeaway is vary your search criteria, enter a smaller number of roommates and a larger number of days than you want because you need enough days to cover the Dragon Con rate and that can vary. It's usually three or four days, but that varies by hotel and that information is on the Dragon Con website and a smaller number of roommates because if you enter in that, you, that you're gonna have four roommates, a, a room with the king bed isn't even probably might not pop up in the search results. But we all know that, you know, you can get a rollaway bed, you can bring air mattresses and a king bed, you know, you might decide that a king bed at the Marriott is better than no room at the Marriott. No, totally makes sense. No, and you definitely don't want to be left out without a room. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and oh, I think we've talked about this before. Um, the more, the greater number of names that you put on the reservation can increase your cost. And you can always add names when you check in. So it's common at hotels that maybe one or two people are free, but after that it's an extra $20 per person per night. And you might not be able to change that back. So there's no harm in just saying, okay, it's just me. And see, you know, because you'll be able to find all the hotel rooms if you just enter one person and then vary the dates, you can start there. And then if you find the rooms, you can say, okay, well, I'm actually gonna have this number of roommates and then search for that. And you know, once you have a room, you can make the appropriate changes when you check into the hotel. Nope, totally makes sense. Any final thoughts for this timeout, Sam? Um, nope, that was it. Just you know, check your email, check your spam folders, let your friends know. They're on the Hilton wait list. Now's the time to check your email and be on top of it. That sounds perfect. Thank you so much, Zan. We'll see you next month. See you next month. And joining us once again is Kevin Batchelder, last but certainly not least. And he's got, uh, Kevin, we're going to talk about uh, your dragon tail, correct? Yeah, that's the theme here. Might as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I am curious to, I'm sure you have plenty of stories from all your years at Dragon Con. Oh, lots of them. Some of them outstanding, some of them not so fun. You know, it's the nature of, of Con. But yeah, yeah, that I, I took, it's funny, you mentioned this idea and I started to put a few notes in on a couple different things. And then one idea bubbled to the top is kind of the quintessential one. Well, do tell, please. Sure. Uh, I think it was back in... 2009 that uh, as we all know if you've gone to con for a few years there are normally kind of two different types of panels you have the ones with the guests aka the celebrities where they're doing q a's and you know big rooms and all that and you have the fan panels us average folk who get together to talk about all these things that we love and the two don't normally overlap well back in 2009 apparently the con wanted to try this idea of having a few panels that were discussion panels, but filter them with a few of the guests. So I was lucky enough to be on a couple that year. There was one we did in um, Kelly's American Sci-Fi Track um, for the show Legend of the Seeker. And we had Craig Parker there as guest. He played Dark and Raw in the show. So he sat in on a panel discussion about the show. And, and you know, it was, it was fun. We had a good time. And that in and of itself, you know, was just kind of a cool thing to do. But the other celebrity panel I got to be on that year is the one I wanted to talk a little bit more about as the quintessential story. We had a panel planned in 
when uh, Wayne was the director of the Whedon track, we had a panel plan to talk about the show Dollhouse. And it was actually made up of like four or five of us who had done some podcasts about it. So it was about Dollhouse, but also a little bit about podcasting about the show, too. And that panel had been on the schedule for months and months. And then when the con had this idea of putting some celebrities on, it's just a few weeks before con, as I recall, Wayne reached out to let us know, those of us who were on the panel and already started to talk about you know, like topics we'd be discussing and things like that, to say, hey, we've got Felicia Day as a guest this year. And she was on uh, Dollhouse for a little bit. We're going to put her on the panel. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Been a big fan of hers, the Guild and everything else. So um, they moved the room that that discussion was going to be in from a smaller one with just fans, right. a larger one. I mean, not a huge one. Felicia is you know, pretty well known. But this is nine years ago. She wasn't quite as well known. But it was a larger room. So it was funny. The, those of us who are podcasters, once we heard this, you know, we were excited to be a part of it. But also like, oh, we don't need to do much prep anymore. Let's face it. Once we open this thing up. Um, with fans there, they're going to be all over Felicia with questions and stuff like that. So it comes time to do the panel and Felicia's there. She's wonderful. Any of you that met her know this. She's just such a cool lady. Uh, and she was so nice. And the panel gets set up. And as it worked out, uh, it was nice. I was sitting right next to her at one point. So we're talking about the show a little bit. And, um, you know, Felicia's talking uh, at one point and her voice is kind of cracking a little bit because this is like a late Sunday afternoon panel. And this is her first Dragon Con. And not only was she a guest, but, you know, if you were there that year, you saw she was having as much fun as the rest of us. So she was a little, you know, first con, the end of Sunday, she was showing some of the effects. You know, her voice from talking so much was cracking a little bit. Um, and uh, so she talked a little bit as we did the beginning of the panel. And then they went to open it up to questions from the people there. And all of us with the podcast is kind of like, OK, we get to sit back now. There's going to be a line of people asking Felicia questions. And like the first question was something for Felicia. And the second question was something for Felicia and the podcasters, you know, some thought about the show Dollhouse. After that, every other question for the remainder of the panel was for the podcasters, not for Felicia. Um, and at one point after a few of these, Felicia's sitting next to me and someone else on the panel is kind of talking and she leans over to me kind of quietly and goes, this is amazing. I need to save my voice. It's great. All of you folks get to cover for me. And it was just the funnest thing because she was just being herself <laughs> enjoying the fact that people were kind of just being dragon con fans about the topic. It wasn't so much that it was about the celebrity side of it. So um, it was just kind of a cool, it was a great encounter. It goes to show you that fans, while they always enjoy the celebrities, sometimes they just want to geek out about the things that they are fans of too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, even though the celebrities are there, you know, I think, um, you know, outside of the walk of fame area or, you know, it's not it's not too long before people just kind of forget that they're celebrities and and then just embrace them as fans. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're just one more. They're just another fan of something at the con. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why, like at a lot of other cons or places, I really thought we would have that and nothing but ask Felicia questions. But these folks had come to this panel to talk about Dollhouse and. You know, once Felicia had talked about some of her experience, since she wasn't in all of the episodes or whatever, right. you know, they respected her, but they were just as interested in some fan thoughts about uh, they, it. They, yeah, they were like, no, no, I came here to say what my theory is. <laughs> like, I've got a theory about what's going on, right? <laughs> and Felicia just got this smile, like I said, when she said that, like, oh, I, I was afraid I was going to keep losing my voice, but I just get to kind of sit back and let you folks do it. So she was just being <laughs> like the rest of us, which is why part of why so many of us love her. She's just, you know, one of us that way. 
She really is. I mean, she gets to, uh, you know, act and, and, and produce and write and, and take part on the other side of things. But she's actually, I mean, we all know that she, she does it because she loves it, right? She loves a lot of this material. So it's good to have her back again this year. I saw it just uh, this week it was announced that she's going to she's gonna be returning to Dragon Con uh, this year. So that's going to be exciting. So maybe you can, you know, rekindle your, your fandom friendship. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I thought it was very, uh, uh, a little bit of fate there when, you know, I was going through my notes the other day to see what to talk about, and, and she was actually announced today as we're recording this. So, yes, I guess the universe is shining on me that way. <laughs> it's nine years ago. She probably doesn't remember much of it, but, again, uh, it's going to be great to see her there again. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, very cool. That was great. Uh, great story. And uh, anything else happening in uh, in your world? Uh, no, we're just starting to ramp up some of the ideas for our newbie stuff, um, you know, as we're all starting to get a little closer to con. And activity in the newbie group on Facebook is picking up with folks asking questions. Hotels are naturally, you know, oh, not so much hotels right now. It's some of it, for a lot of folks, it's it's the housing. Who am I going to room with? You know, hey, I only know one other person, you know. So you're starting to see a lot more folks uh, making some plans on that side of things. And I know that on a personal level, I mean, we mentioned the guest list earlier in the show, but I know on a on a personal level, you are excited because the almost the entire crew from Lost Girls is gonna is 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 here. I think most of them are returning guests, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there were nine guests from the show announced them. I don't know if that's some record for Dragon Con for a number of people <laughs> from a single show, all, all announced the same day. But uh, yeah, all of them I think have been here before. It was a few years ago, 2015, maybe when they had several of them, uh, and they were great. You know, uh, they're very popular at Con, and they all really you know uh, enjoy themselves here. They understand the nature of it. So. Yeah, having them all back and having a big reunion now that the show's been off the air a couple of years, I think it's really going to make a lot of fans, certainly Carol over in the Urban Fantasy track, is very excited. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, once again, it's great to have you join us, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again uh, next month. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're getting closer, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. And real quick, where can people find you online? Uh, best place for any of our DragonCon stuff is uh, if you go to dragonconnewbies.org. Uh, we have a, a post there with details and links to things like the Facebook group and lots of other resources, including the ESO podcasts and other stuff. So go there. It'll lead you to lots of helpful information. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kevin. Well, thanks, Kevin. And now that we've heard your dragon tale, we've got, uh, since we've got Michael Faulkner here, Michael, do you have a dragon tale to tell us? You know, I do. And it it really exemplifies the the spirit and and flavor of Dragon Con. It, awesome. It's a it's a celebrity encounter of sorts. Um, last year, I I had a, a new scarf, the fourth doctor scarf uh, that my wife had knitted over the la that previous year. Because um, I, I was telling her about, you know, the timestamps project and Tom Baker and how awesome that scarf was. And she's like, OK, get me a pattern and it will be done. And sure enough, it was. And uh, I debuted it at Dragon Con. I'm wearing it on on Saturday. I'd worn it to most of my panels. So I'm just standing outside the track room at the American Sci-Fi Classics track, which happens to be right near one of the green rooms. And I'm not even paying attention. I'm just engaged in this conversation with some fellow fans. And I hear this this woman come up to me and she tugs on the scarf and you know as i look over she looks me in the eye and she says hello sweetie and continues on <laughs> right it took me like 10 seconds as everyone just kind of grinds to a halt and we're like 
was that Oh my God! It was it was Alex Kingston, touched by the Kingston, right? And I I told my wife later that that River Song had blessed the scarf, and we we needed to never wash it again, that kind of thing. Um, but apparently the story goes that she was you know with with the advent of of uh, Jodie Whittaker as the Thirteenth Doctor, and there were a few Thirteenth Doctor uh, cosplays going around, including my wife last year. Um, Alex Kingston was walking around the convention and everyone who was dressed as any incarnation of the doctor from the first to the 12th, including the war doctor, she was, you know, going up to him and saying, hello, sweetie, you know, kind of making a fan's day. Nice. Um, and if there were any incarnations of the 13th doctor walking around, she'd go up to him and look him in the eye and say, hello, husband, and continue on. <laughs> so I was, I was pleased as punch to to have been part of that movement at Dragon Con and just to have that kind of encounter, especially with something that, you know, it's it's a a, a personal item. It's not like I just bought the, the scarf off the shelf. It was, you know, a lot of care and love was put into making it and, uh, for that convention. And just to kind of have that that recognized and then also kind of, in a sense, blessed by, you know, <laughs> Doctor Who, you know, it worked out quite nicely. Very nice. That's really cool. I, I appreciate that. That's really cool. Um, as it happens, we have another uh, celebrity encounter that uh, someone sent us through emails as a dragon tale. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to read this and hopefully I don't butcher it. So um, uh, yes, uh, this one comes from uh, Christina Sizemore, 14 uh, year attendee slash volunteer dragon con. Uh, she says, you can find me at the Dragon Con store. My husband and I are the lead, assistant lead of the Dragon Con store setup crew. The most awesome crew around, if you don't mind me tooting the DC store horn. 2004, my very first year, was an adventure in itself getting to the con. I have never driven by myself anywhere, so imagine freeway traffic on someone driving out of state for the first time. Ugh. I drove past Atlanta and all the way to Macon. Not kidding. Before I realized I had overshot. <laughs> Whoops. Turn, <laughs> Talk about the wrong and, turn in Albuquerque. I know, right? <laughs> turned around and tried to find my way back and overshot my exit. So I turned around and drove past it to Macon again. I what? Somehow made it, I somehow made it to Andrew Young eventually and got myself parked and checked in, thankfully. Uh, myself and a former friend had no idea just what kind of wild evenings that we were in for until two different instances happened. These are two of the strongest and funniest memories that stick in my head when I think of the con. On a loud and crazy Saturday night, we were going down to the Marriott elevator, passing a hotel room party. You would figure that a glass elevator would, could mask the sound of screaming laughter, but apparently not. We turned to hear screams coming from the room as the elevator came to the level in question, just in time to see two people rolling someone out into the hall in a rollaway bed, tied to the bed with leather straps at his wrists and feet, laughing hysterically in his birthday suit. I still wonder what on earth was going on in that room after he was wheeled out. Was that maybe that one was of my room? Was that one of Darren's parties, I think, maybe? Uh, going up the elevator the next day, which much, was much worse. A group of the 501st had gathered, one of them a man wearing a female breastplate armor, his boots, and no pants. Worse than that, he was wearing a thong. 
But it gets so much worse than even that. As the elevator began to rise, the man turned with his back to me, dropping his blaster to the ground. So, so he bent to pick it up. Behold, the twin moons of Endor! <laughs> Ugh, I was scared to ride the elevator for the rest of the weekend. Now the horror story's out of the way. There was one most unusual celebrity encounter ever. I suppose that's a story I could share. I was in the bathroom. Well, so we're going to share it now. So <laughs> you wrote it. So we'll we'll share it. Uh, I was in the bathroom in the bottom level of the Marriott. I love going there because it's so large that even in a crowd, you seem to get some privacy. While washing my hands, who should walk up to the sink beside me but Summer Glau? Now, mind you, I am not a freak out type of fangirl. I have friends and family in the business, so I don't really get starstruck. But I did have that mental reaction of, uh, okay, this is probably the last place I would ever expect to meet someone like her. Chalk this up to weird. She pulled a water, she pulled a water bottle from her purse and a plastic bag with a travel toothbrush and toothpaste. I always come to the con with wisps in my con bag because I hate how my teeth feel if I don't brush them regularly. Before I could stop myself, I laughed, causing her to look at me in confusion as I pointed to her toothbrush, which she was putting toothpaste on. Thank God I'm not the only one who does that, I said. I in she instantly smiled in relief as if she was feeling thankful that she wasn't the freak. Oh, I know, she said happily. If I don't brush after every meal, my teeth start growing fur. Same here, I said. That horrible scratchy feel, even if you just drank a soda? Oh my gosh, she said, rolling her eyes. I hate that. That's why I carry Wisp to the con every year. They're super handy. She hadn't heard of them before. So we got in a conversation about wisps afterwards. So I basically spent several minutes in a bathroom with Summer Glau discussing our mutual disdain for lack of oral oral hygiene. So that is uh, that is uh, some dragon tales from Christina Sizemore. Thank you, Christina, for sending that in. Those are a hoot. I love those. Um, yes. That's a story the... made for a plaque. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Very nice. She's so wise. <laughs> Just when I thought I couldn't love you anymore, Dakota. That's awesome. All right. On that note, we're going to draw a close to our third episode of the 2018 Dragon Con Con Report. A big thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode, including Michelle Biddick Simmons, Eternal Zan, and Kevin Batchelder. And an extra special thanks to Alan for talking to us about the giant superhero photo shoots. Stay tuned for more information on that as it develops. And a much thanks, much thanks to our station crew. Uh, thank you, Michael Faulkner, for joining us. How was your first foray into the con report? It was fantastic. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And for those people, where can they find you online if they want to find out a little bit more about you and, and what you're doing? Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've got a blog. It's Creative Criticality. It's at creativecriticality.wordpress.com. That's where the Timestamps project is is housed. It's my adventures with Doctor Who. Uh, my podcast, The Weekly Podioplex, is located on the Chronic Rift Network. That's at www.chronicrift.com. And uh, if you want to find me anywhere else on the internet, you can just look for the handle WompRat99. That's W-O-M-P-R-A-T-9-9, like the creature Luca Bullseye in his T-16 back in Beggar's Canyon. And... Uh, <laughs> As I didn't mention at the top of the show, I failed to do so, but you can also find me and Kevin and Sue and Kim at uh, DragonCon Newbies. So if you're a newcomer to the con or you're a veteran of the con and want to help out some people with their first trip, uh, just uh, search for DragonCon Newbies on Facebook and you'll find us there. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you, Dacoma. I know that you are a little bit under the weather still, so I appreciate you showing up and, and, and helping contribute to this month. Not a problem. I hope I, I hope I haven't given Mike too much to, to edit out. <laughs> no, well, that's well, we'll 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 let the the editing god himself, uh, Mike Faber, uh, make those decisions. Well, you'll just have to wait and find out, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Awesome, and thank you, of course, Mike, for which none of this would be possible. Hey, I'm just the guy who hits record. Again, we try to cover all we can with these specials, but to keep up with the latest news, please check out the official DragonCon website and all the social media outlets. All the tracks are active on Facebook. They have various social media as well, so please feel free to reach out to all of them. Be part of the convention. Uh, we can also be found here on uh, Earth Station One Network on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Stitcher. We want you to be part of the station, so please feel free to join in the discussion on those groups. The DragonCon Con Report is sponsored in part by Borderlands Comics and Games in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. It's not that far a ride from Atlanta, Charlotte, and Nashville, and it's totally worth a trip. Uh, for more information, check out all the details on the store at borderlands.us. Yeah, borderlands.us. I keep wanting to say .com, but it's borderlands.us. And be sure to check out the Amazon link at the top of the esonetwork.com site. It doesn't cost you any more to purchase your stuff, and it helps us out a lot. We also have a Tee Public store filled with all kinds of cool designs. There's a link for that at the top of the ESO Network page, and there's a link for our new Patreon page. Mike, where, where, can, where can you find there? Oh, that's easy. Just go to www.patreon.com slash network, and you can find all kinds of very unique episodes of podcasts found on the eso network and it's just pretty cool stuff and you know there's could be stuff coming out almost weekly for our subscribers and you know all the rest of the eso network shows including the dragon con report are still going to be free to everybody but you just you know gonna if you want extra you could help subscribe and help support the station you know with your help we can do bigger and better things we can go faster stronger and you just hear in the background. Awesome. You'll edit that in. Of course. Absolutely. And we thank everybody. Appreciate all the support that we've been given so far on Patreon. We really, really do appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this episode. I'm your host, Mike Gordon, and it has been my pleasure. We'll see you at the con. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>